Welcome to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast here on the West Virginia Soccer Association Digital Network. My name is Marcus Cole. Now, before we begin today's show, I want to remind you that once you've had a chance to check out our program, make sure you give our podcast a five-star rating and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. That helps you stay up to date on all the latest content from us and helps us get the word out to others to let them know that we're providing valuable information for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents. On the phone with us today is Dr. Susan Boyko, dermatologist at Rady Children's Hospital San Diego, an associate professor of dermatology and pediatrics at UC San Diego, and a spokesperson for the Skin Cancer Foundation. Doctor, welcome to the program. Thanks. As the mother of three former soccer players, I am especially glad to talk about skin cancer prevention in our youngest players, as well as our older <clears throat> observers who are watching from the sideline. Wonderful. And that's the reason why we have you on the show today to talk about taking care of your skin during these summer months. Now, here in West Virginia, we've uh, recently returned to play. So now we have uh, teams that are uh, that have been on hiatus for about three months. They're now training through the summer. So they have trainings, they have matches, and uh, we want to uh, give some uh, advice to our parents and our players on how they can better protect their skin. Now, before we get into that, doctor, will you go ahead and just give us a brief background? about your experience and qualifications? Well, I always loved working with children and volunteered at a mental hospital during college uh, to form a Girl Scout troop. Then in medical school and beyond, I continued my passion for working with children by uh, becoming board certified in pediatrics, doing three years of a pediatric residency and then going on to a military um, obligation for my Air Force scholarship, and then three more years as a dermatology resident, culminating in professorships first in Cincinnati and now in San Diego. And throughout all this time, um, with the three active children who played soccer and uh, did other sports, including marching band, which is kind of like a more controlled soccer with no ball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, sun protection was always uh, at the top of my mind because I was seeing in my practice so many adults with skin cancer, the roots of which could be traced back to their childhood experiences under the sun. And that's the exact reason why we want to have you on the show today to talk about that. So why don't you go ahead and just explain to us the basics of how sun, the sun can be dangerous to our skin. So the sun does many wonderful things like helping crops grow and helping us have a good feeling outdoors and being nice and warm. But it also has some invisible rays from outer space that will wreck your skin and wrinkle your face. And those are called ultraviolet light. And ultraviolet A and B are the ones that can penetrate through the surface of your skin. The B stays on your skin and burns you. That's why it's good to remember B for burn. But A is throughout the day, and that's from the time the sun rises to the time the sun sets. Many of us have had the experience maybe uh, coming out in the spring to a soccer game where it's kind of cloudy and cool, not bringing along a hat or a sunscreen, and then being surprised at the end of the day to have a sunburn. Right. So... Uh, 
if you look at the what's called the UV index, and that is uh, you can just look it up online under what it, your local weather report app, it will tell you. And what you'll see is that uh, even like six, seven in the morning, there can be a UV index of two. That means that you can be out for a very long time, but you'll eventually get a burn. Now, if the UV index is 9, 10, 11, you're going to get burned within 15 or 20 minutes uh, if you have fair skin like me and my children do. So you always want to think about protecting yourself. And one of the benefits of protecting yourself from the sun is that you're also protecting yourself from some insects since you're outdoors too. So you get a two-for-one. What are some practical tips that you can give our audience of, of how our youth soccer players can protect their skin from the sun? Well, one problem with soccer is that, unlike the people on the sidelines, the kids can't be wearing hats while they're playing. It's very uh, challenging to wear sunglasses unless they have some kind of elastic strap on the back to hold them on. And even the sunscreen that you would usually use can tend to melt when they're sweating, and it runs right into their eyes and causes terrible burning. So there's some really good workarounds. The first workaround is... Just like you have your bananas and oranges on the sideline to replenish the players, why not have a pop-up canopy tent and let them get in the shade? Wherever you can make some shade, even if it's just uh, parents holding umbrellas, that is a, a better strategy to keep that sun from beating on your children. Second is to use what's called a waxy stick. Think about those things that look like small deodorants or oversized chapsticks that you can um, put on, including the part of the scalp, if they happen to have a hairstyle where there's a part. Don't forget that because that's going to burn too. The tops of their ears, their face, even their eyelids, you can safely put this kind of tacky uh, sunscreen on, and it's not going to melt and go in their eyes unless they rub their eyes. And are your kids wearing masks now when they're playing, or they're not? No, they are not. However, they are on the sideline when they are not physically active. So the mask is also a, a, a barrier to the sun. So that then, then those places, um, obviously, there's no point in putting sunscreen on under the mask. But uh, when the mask comes off, the sunscreen needs to go on. So the, having those little sticks, you know, just put the kids' initials on them, and the coach can just say, okay, kids, uh, wax up or sunscreen up. And uh, in the breaks, after they, of course, after they eat the oranges, because the oranges are going to wipe off some of the sunscreen. So also, if you are choosing uniforms, look for, if you have the opportunity to do so, look for material that blocks ultraviolet light. Bright colors and dark colors tend to block ultraviolet light more. Tight weaves uh, tend to block ultraviolet light more. if you, if your uniform allows it to wear a garment like a, um, a longer sleeve shirt, or you see sometimes these uh, basketball players that wear these sleeves because they have obnoxious tattoos they have to cover. Right. But you can get sun-blocking sleeves like that, too. Some of your kids that play that have eczema or other skin problems, they may need to wear a garment like that to uh, not only protect them from the sun, but also protect them from itching and scratching while they're out in the field. 
Now, are there certain times of the day that we might want to avoid training sessions outside when the exposure is the greatest? Well, there used to be a song called Mad Dogs and Englishmen Go Out in the Midday Sun. So how do you know what's midday? Because it's different everywhere. Right. So I like to just use this little acronym, Short Shadow Seek Shade. If you look at your shadow and your shadow's shorter than you are, that's the best time to protect yourself from the sun. Generally, it's going to be um, now that we're right in June and the longest days between 10 and 3 or 10 and 4. But one of my colleagues, when I was in Cincinnati, installed an ultraviolet meter on top of his office and found to his surprise. And I was wondering, because I remember when my kids were growing up and we lived in Cincinnati, that I'd take them to the pool of five and I'd say, oh, it's five, you know, shadows are getting longer, they don't need sunscreen. And they would get a little sunburn in June from five to six. So even at those hours, there's still some sun lingering around. But the middle of the day, if you, if it's an overcast day, or <laughs> obviously if you're playing in the rain, and my kids often got drenched playing soccer in the rain, right? Um, there's no point of putting sunscreen on in that situation. But if it's cloudy, but it's not raining, ultraviolet light comes right through the clouds. It can burn you. So not only for the players, but the people watching the players also, you know, the best examples we set are our own behavior. So if you're telling your kids to wear a hat or sunglasses and you're not doing it, it I often tell my patients who need sun protection, tell your mom and dad, remember Dr. Boyko said you need to wear a hat and sunglasses too. You need to put on sunscreen too. So you make it a family affair. You know, the coach models the good behavior. The audience models the good behavior then it's easy for the kids to all model the good behavior. Just like um, people wouldn't be yelling mean things in the stands to the players, <laughs> uh, we wouldn't be uh, walking around like with a, a reflector and lying on a, um, a lounge with a bikini while our kids are playing soccer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, one area I guess I sometimes get in trouble with is uh, talk to us about the levels of sunscreen that are out there and rules that we should probably follow when it comes to reapplying it. Now, I usually get in trouble with the fact of the start of the soccer season comes up in the springtime and I go grab the bottle of sunscreen that's been around since last year and may have already expired and then certainly doesn't do me any good and I usually end up getting burned. But can you talk a little bit about that? So it's very interesting about sunscreen because you hear about this thing called the SPF, sun protective factor. So I can burn in 10 minutes if I don't have any sunscreen on. So an SPF of 30, if you multiply that by 10, that means Theoretically, I could be out 300 minutes before I burn. But actually, think about sunscreen is like painting a wall. Mm -hmm. You think you're putting the sunscreen on evenly. You think you're painting the wall evenly. You walk away. You come back in an hour, and you see all the places you missed. And also, after about an hour, think of your skin as being like that wall. You think the wall is completely flat, but there's a, some texture to it, little nooks and crannies. So... The sunscreen tends to go from the higher places on our skin and migrate down into the lower places, and then those places, the higher places, the little mountaintops get burned. So basically you want to pick something that's at least a 30, 
and you want to reapply every two hours. Those are the rule of thumb. But I'm going to tell you my little secrets. Okay. I found out when I was in Cincinnati, I volunteered to be in a sunscreen study. And the way that the sunscreen is tested to see how long it lasts and how waterproof it is, is they sit you down, like that lady in the bikini on the Chase Lounge, and you put your hand in, first they put the sunscreen on your hand, and they put it on like cake frosting. Not the little dab that we take and then spread it real thin. Right. So then they have you just sit with a magazine and your hand is in a uh, little tank of water for whatever time it is, and then they pull it out. So in real life, people are running, people are sweating, their the skin is getting rubbed, there's friction, and so that, and they're also putting it on very thin. So when you put on that 30 and you think you're getting all that protection, you're really putting on the square root of 30, which is a 5. So that's why the sunscreen doesn't seem to work as well, because you're putting it on too thin, and so it doesn't protect as well. So if you really want sunscreen to work well and be the SPF that the uh, FDA labels it, it has to be on like you want to put it on so thick that you can see the whiteness of it, and then it's going to take a while to massage it in. A lot of kids don't want to take the time. They don't like the whiteness. The stuff goes all over the place, so they love spray. The good thing about spray is that it's popular. There's a couple of dangers of spray. One is, obviously, you don't want to inhale it or get it in your eyes. And another danger is, like, think about, again, if you spray painted a wall, there's going to be a lot of places that you miss. So my solution to spray is spray it into your hands and then apply it, and then you'll get the best coverage and the best results. I'm glad you uh, uh, talked about that because I was going to ask you about the sprays because uh, sprays are very popular uh, in my household. Now, if we are, if we happen to get overexposed to the sun and we do get burned, what are some treatments that you recommend to help us along? That's very interesting that you asked that because for another talk I was doing about a year ago, I went back into the medical literature and Surprisingly, there's very little about sunburn unless it's like a severe sunburn, like somebody accidentally setting the tanning bed settings wrong and like getting burns as if they'd been put in boiling water. So for um, sunburns where the child is not shaking chills, they're not blistering immediately, they're not terribly ill, you can just use cold water compresses. Those will be very soothing. And then you can put on any kind of bland moisturizer like petroleum jelly or even plain Crisco shortening. Those uh, will help soothe the skin. And then light uh, uh, clothing. I remember as a teenager <laughs> lying in agony because my back had been sunburned and my siblings uh, kindly changing the cold water uh, dressings on my back till I could uh, get over it in a few days. But even the one severe sunburn doubles your risk for skin cancer as an adult. So that's why it's so important to prevent them. But if you do have a sunburn and it seems like it's worse than the usual sunburn, you want to call your doctor because it may need to be treated as a, any other kind of burn. 
That leads me into my next question as far as what are some warning signs that we need to be looking out for when it comes to exposing our skin to the sun and, and when it might potentially turn into a bigger problem? Well, I think the first one is to look at the person in general. If the child or the adult seems ill, you know, remember that that sun exposure can also go along with dehydration and sunstroke. So you certainly want to lie the person down and call for immediate help like an ambulance. Second of all, if you see that the skin is blistering on an area and it's extraordinarily tender, that needs to be seen by a doctor. Third of all, if you know, the skin will peel off eventually. In fact, we used to have peeling parties in our neighborhood where we'd all <laughs> peel each other, which is a pretty horrible thing because I'm sure now, you know, I personally have had skin cancer, and I'm sure many of those other um, then teenagers um, are suffering the same fate too. So the long-lasting damage is think of your DNA as little envelopes with messages in them and over time the DNA continues to mutate in your skin as the ultraviolet light hits it so you have the immediate consequences but you also have these long-term consequences that you aren't aware of until you know even I have seen children with skin cancer but usually 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s you start to see the little lumps and bumps the sore that doesn't heal something that looks weird, something that wasn't there before and is growing quickly. All those things mean that you want to have a doctor take a look. Now, if you could give just one piece of advice to our youth soccer players and our parents that are sitting on the sidelines about protecting their skin from the sun this summer, what would that one piece of advice be? Short shadow seek shade. Short shadow seek <laughs> Say that three times fast. Short shadow seek shade. It's even hard for me to say, but it's a, it's a good tongue twister, but it's also it's a good mantra that um, you, can, you can be on the sidelines of a soccer game and say, oh, I forgot my hat. Just make a hat out of a newspaper. It's not hard. <laughs> right. And that's going to give you that little bit of protection buy now pay later you know because i i you know i embarrass my daughter constantly with a big brimmed hat because i'm out in the sun a lot with not necessarily this year but uh with the pandemic going on but with our outdoor events that we have during the spring the summer and the fall I'm out setting up at various locations throughout the state. So I, you know, at some point I decided I, you know, I got tired of getting sunburned on my neck, on my face. So I went and bought, you know, this big brimmed hat, which is uh, pretty obnoxious looking, to be honest. Uh, but I love it uh, just because it keeps the sun off of my face. It keeps the sun off of my neck and uh, I don't have as many problems as, as I do, but uh, you know, I know my daughter uh, is very embarrassed when, when I bring it out in public, my soccer hat, so to speak. So there's several ways around that. One really good team-building activity for a soccer team and families 
is if you just go online, you can find out how to make a hat out of a paper bag. So, like, maybe when you're having your first soccer meeting, it's a rainy spring day and everybody's indoors. You get out all the old ribbons, all the old stickers. You get the paper bags from the grocery store, and you make these wonderful hats. And nobody's going to lose that hat because it's going to be unique to each kid. There, You put the soccer decorations on it. And that way, they kind of own the hat. They have that hat. And that's, you know, like maybe your team like comes out. They're all like lining up and wearing those hats. The other team's like, what the heck? <laughs> and it's very inexpensive, and it's so much fun. And another thing is to decorate the hat. You have, you know, put a big band around it that says, my dorky soccer hat. Right. Or ask me about sun protection. <laughs> or my daughter is an awesome soccer player. You know, decorate it up to make it unique, and it will be dorky, but a great conversation piece, too. <laughs> That's a great idea. I like that team-building uh, activity. Uh, doctor, as we kind of wrap things up here, if people want to find out more information about protecting their skin from the sun, uh, where would you recommend that they go to find that information? Well, they can go to the Skin Cancer Foundation website, www.skincancer.org. Also, the American Cancer Society, www.cancer.org. And the National Council on Skin Cancer Prevention, which is a consortium of organizations, including organizations involving soccer and other uh, kid team sports, that is the um, National Council on Skin Cancer Prevention. That is Skin Cancer Prevention. That's the longest website, but the most information. .org. Skin Cancer. Uh, sorry, Skin Cancer Foundation. American Cancer Society, and I'm, I'm sure you'll have something at the end where you can uh, reiterate these addresses. Yes, we'll definitely make sure to include links in our uh, show descriptions and things along that lines where they can find out that information. Dr. Boyko, I thank you so much for coming on our program today and uh, talking about uh, how our young uh, soccer players and parents can protect their skin uh, from the sun this summer. We appreciate it. And thank you so much for wearing a hat. That is awesome. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast here on the West Virginia Soccer Association Digital Network. Now that you've heard our show, make sure you give our podcast a five-star rating and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode, so we hope to see you next week. Take care. <laughs>